that's what we do on annual reviews is make sure, hey, let's make sure primaries are good. Hey, do we want to add contingents? Do we want to spread that out? So contingents are, are just about as important as primary beneficiaries on your forms. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Welcome back into Perfect Game Retirement. I am Ben George, along with Ryan Ledden, President and Financial Coach at Black Oak Asset Management. You can find them online, blackoakam.com. We're talking about flirting with disaster today. Ryan, I know when we talked about financial planning, the word disaster does not need to be anywhere near it, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't want those in the same sentence. Uh, maybe, well, maybe if you preface it with avoid. Yeah. <laughs> um, but outside of that, yeah, you really don't want those uh, those two words in the same sentence. Yeah, we're going to talk about some areas of, of, your, of your finances that could end up in disaster if you're not careful. Some things that are often overlooked that need to probably get some of your attention here very soon if they haven't recently. So we'll go run through a list of five different items, different areas today, and Ryan will help us understand why they're important, where the trouble might be, and, and what you can do to maybe get yourself on track. Again, everything we do, you can be found online at blackoakam.com. All of our podcasts are archived there, but a lot of other great resources can be found on the website, including a retirement rescue toolkit, retirement calculator, and also if you want to schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online, you can do that there as well. You know, Ryan, as we kind of get back into the swing of things, I know a lot of people getting vaccinated, things are opening back up. Georgia has been the case, uh, you know, for a little bit of time as well. But I was just thinking about like concerts, like whether or not we'll be back at concerts this year. It seems like some places are starting to schedule and, and, and kind of getting back to it. But you know, it kind of got me to thinking about music and want to ask you, is there any, any song or artist that people would be surprised to learn that you really like? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a kind of a alternative heavy metal type guy. Okay. Um, when I say heavy metal, I don't mean like the big hair bands back in the day, but I guess <clears throat> Metallica is is right up there at the top. Um, more new age, uh, newer age, I should say, is Corn. Uh, I saw them last. Uh, well, not last summer because no one saw anyone last <laughs> summer, but. Summer before that, uh, so I still get comments like, "You don't look like you would be at a corn concert with Alice in <laughs> Chains and you know Faith No More." Anyway, so it's uh, I do I've loved it ever since I was in, in middle school. My mom used to worry about like my mental status. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be listening to Metallica and Inner Sandman, and and she'd see the videos on TV and like, "Oh my God, what kid have I raised?" Um, <laughs> But I, you know, I just like the music. I don't really dig into the words, um, if you will. And some people take the words with way too much meaning. I'm like, this is entertainment. Uh, yeah. Sure, the the songwriter may have had some some heart and some feelings into it, but it doesn't resonate with me. I just I just like the the heavy riffs and the drums and. Uh, the loud voices, I guess. So my kids kind of roll their eyes whenever I, uh, but my son's starting to like it too. So he's only seven, but um, <laughs> so he kind of bobs his head up and down in the back seat when, uh, when daddy occasionally puts in, puts in that type of music. So yeah, it's, it's out of my, um, I guess out of my realm for most people, they just wouldn't expect that. But speaking of concerts, I, I did have a concert on the calendar for this summer, uh, it was disturbed, uh, stained, and bad wolves were coming to an amphitheater right where I live. And I just got the email last week that it's been canceled as well. <laughs> oh, like, you man. Gotta be kidding. I know. I'm like, things are opening up. Why are you canceling this stuff? Oh, but 
They did for logistical reasons because every state is so different. Uh, Georgia just announced today as the recording of this that they're opening up uh, a lot more as far as the requirements go. I was just in North Carolina yesterday and they had signs everywhere that, you know, it's a misdemeanor if you don't have a mask on. So it's just, it's crazy how crossing state lines, I can just see how that would be a nightmare trying to schedule a tour nationwide going from state to state and all the different regulations. Yeah. I don't think I've ever asked you, what was your walkout song in baseball? Was it something heavy? It was uh, it was Metallica okay. uh, for whom the bell tolls. So nice. um, you Very know had nice. the had the chimes going for a while there. My when I was closing games off, I, the stadium's tradition where I was at would play um, Leonard Skinner, and I'm like, <laughs> no. I mean, I know you can classify them maybe in the same music uh, genre, but. Sweet Home Alabama, um, you know, I know for you, that's, that's probably a great song for you, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm from Georgia. I don't need that song. Um, so yeah, I finally convinced them to, to take it down. And um, if I started blowing leads at the, at, in the ninth inning, then they could go back to Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Very good. Well, look, let's get into our conversation today on flirting with disaster. Uh, I think this is, a, is an important one because these are some areas that people just don't think about. And if you aren't, if you're one of those people that fall into that area, that category of not paying attention to these, you could end up having some serious trouble in retirement. So let's start off with uh, legal documents. A lot of times, you know, especially when you think of will and trust, those are the first things I think of with legal documents. But, you know, it's one of those things oftentimes you just kind of put in place and then you say, okay, man, it's a relief just to have that taken care of. I'm good to go. But there can be some serious trouble here if you're not paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. And and state laws change all the time. And so an attorney, you know, some people may say this is overkill, but an attorney and mine included will say, you know, every five years revisit it. Well, it it depends on what stage your life you're in. But I wholeheartedly agree with that because we did ours when uh, my daughter, so I have two kids, when my daughter was I think one or two years old, you know, you have your first kid and everybody wants to do everything right. And, you know, you get everything in place. And then I look up and she's 10 and my son is seven who was not born at the time. And I own a business now at the time I did not. So there's a lot of things that can change, obviously in the stage of life that we're in, Mm -hmm. that's certainly going to happen. But I mean, there's one certainty in life and change is inevitable. And, and so visiting these legal documents, is, is hugely important. And if you already have one set up, I mean, going back and reviewing it with an attorney is not going to cost you an arm and a leg to, to have to do that, but it's going to save your loved ones behind a, a huge, huge headache. And trust me, I've dealt with those huge headaches on the other end when people don't have those documents in place. And, and you know, I, I, you still see like stock certificates, actual stock certificates, actual bond certificate. I mean, just things like that, that if they're not covered and boxes are checked uh, when it comes to legal documentation, that just doesn't mean the financial part of it. It also means the, you know, medical directive, financial power of attorney. I mean, a, a good attorney will take you through all those documents. Now, can you do it online? Sure. I'd rather pay a little bit more and and make sure it's done correctly. I'm not yeah. saying you can't do it correctly online, but uh, I'd be a little weary in, in knowing that you yourself is is doing everything correct according to your state law. 
Yeah, no question. And the other thing I think of too, when I think of documents is are, are the beneficiaries, you know, when you're, when you're kind of setting up those, yeah, you know, dealing with the paperwork, that's one of the things you have to do is, is you have to fill in your beneficiary, especially when you first, you know, open up retirement accounts and that sort of thing. Well, hopefully that's one of the first things you did, but mm-hmm. um, this is the same type of thing, right? I mean, over time, you know, over five or 10 years, all of a sudden you got a second kid and you know, or maybe you got a kid that grows up and is doing really well. Another one's not. I mean, things change or you, you know, you get divorced and remarried. I, I think that's a common one that, that happens to a lot of people. But checking beneficiaries is another place where you, you can really be flirting with disaster. Yes, absolutely. Because going back to our first uh, point there about legal documents, well, a beneficiary form trumps all that. So if you don't have beneficiary forms filled out correctly, it doesn't matter what your will says. Your your that beneficiary form, that custodian, they're going to look at that beneficiary form and says, "Nope, it says, you know, person XYZ, money's going to that person." Well, it doesn't say that in my will. Doesn't matter. They have the legal binding agreement with that beneficiary form. So you hit the nail on the head. Uh, divorce obviously is pretty common in this country, and and you have so many different things that you're thinking about and doing. That once it's final and the divorce decree goes through, many times people don't think of beneficiary forms. And yes, I had a client who was divorced for several years, and it still had their ex-spouse as the primary beneficiary with their kids as contingents, and so. God forbid something happened to her ex-husband, who they don't have a great relationship, uh, ex-husband is going to get all that money. And now it was a second marriage, so the, the kids were um, not of the, of the ex-spouse. So it, it would have been a disaster for her legacy to be given to her ex-spouse that you know was not the father of her children. And then he was going to end up getting everything if she passed away. So it can happen. I've seen it firsthand. You hear stories about it, but I see it firsthand. We like we need to. That's what we do on annual reviews: is make sure, hey, let's make sure primaries are good. Hey, do we want to add contingents? Do we want to spread that out? So contingents are are just about as important as primary beneficiaries on your forms. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think a lot of people don't think about that that contingent, um, but yeah, that's something else you got to be thinking about. But also, this is why you make it part of your 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 review process as you're going through it. So. Uh, beneficiaries, legal documents, two areas to be paying close attention to. The next one is taxes, right? We, we talk taxes quite a bit here, but when you're thinking ahead and a lot of people aren't necessarily, they think, you know, year to year, especially now we're in the middle of tax season and recording this. And, you know, we think about tax planning year to year, but there's so, so much of your money that you're putting into tax deferred accounts as you're building towards retirement that you just kind of overlook the fact that, Hey, that's going to all come back and catch up to you at some point. Yeah. It's, and that's what our, I mean, we, like you said, we talk about it all the time on this podcast, but that's what my kit that you can go on our website to request um, free of charge. We'll send it out to you. It's it's a retirement rescue kit, and it's essentially rescuing your retirement from the potential um, ticking tax time bomb is, is kind of what we talk about. And that's not an original uh, phrase. There's other advisors out there that use it, but it's so true. And people have been for decades been loading up in pre-tax accounts, which we've been told, we've been force-fed, if you will, that, hey, we're going to be in a lower tax bracket when we retire. Well, that was true in the early 80s, but things have changed immensely. Uh, tax code is, is it's been the lowest it's been in, in years. And, and for us to just all automatically think that our tax rates are going to be lower in retirement, you have no control over that. When you have all pre-tax accounts, 
our, our money in pre-tax accounts, you have no control over what your tax rate is. The, the government does, but you have no control over it. So I'm not saying you have to save every dollar into a uh, tax-efficient account, whether that's Roth uh, IRAs, Roth 401ks, brokerage accounts that are usually and normally taxed at capital gains rates. So just having money in different buckets allows you to control that a little bit more. I don't want people to think they have to convert every dollar in their pre-tax bucket over to a, a Roth account, but not being at the mercy of what politicians decide for us. And we've seen it so much in the last two regimes. Um, obviously, we're in a different uh, presidential uh, regime now, and but both both parties spend tons of money. and. They've been spending a lot, and there's even a new, you know, uh, infrastructure bill that's going out there. There's another few trillion dollars. So, tax rates aren't going down. I, I don't have a crystal ball, but for someone to think that they are going to stay where they're at, I think it is irresponsible thinking. And and if people just want to stick their head in the sand and just ignore it, then they're going to be the ones paying the higher higher price tag down the road. So. I'm not all about, I'd rather pay my tax rate when I know what it is now and then not be at the mercy of what, what, the, what Congress and what the president uh, does as far as tax rates go. So we're kind of holding our breath right now in 2021. What's it going to look like next year? They've done a lot already and we know the tax code's going to change. It's just who gets affected by it and how much is it going to go up? Yeah, there's nothing worse than being surprised by a tax bill that you weren't anticipating. I mean, it can first make you really upset, but also like really kind of change your outlook of your finances too, really quickly. And I, I, I say that from, from experience this year in taxes, I, I'm paying more than I thought I was going to this year. So it was, uh, it was not fun getting that, that information back from the person handling my taxes this year. Yeah. And it's scary because I mean, the IRS has, they're, they're, they have, they have supreme power. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can garnish your wages. They can go into any type of investment account. I mean, sure, if you have a big tax bill, you can work with them. That is possible to work out a payment plan. That that can happen, but you just don't want to be on the hook with them. No. And getting that huge tax bill. Uh, and, and I do understand why some people like getting big tax returns because they feel like uh, they're sticking it to the government. Well, you're really not. You, you pay too much in throughout the whole year. So Ideally, what you want to do is almost be right on zero and owe nothing and get back nothing. But I would rather owe a little bit than than receive a a refund because that yeah. means I put my money to use throughout the year as opposed to the IRS just holding on to it. Well, another area of, of planning, and again, it, we, you might be kind of getting the idea that as we go through this, these are all you know different elements of a comprehensive. Uh, financial plan, which is why you you want to have that and work with an advisor, a professional that can help build this for you. But another area that people are flirting with disaster is with their long term care. Uh, many people don't have a plan for it. Uh, oftentimes, think, well, listen, I, I'm I'm in good health. I'm not really worried about it right now. It's something I can I can just figure out in a few years. It's not a it shouldn't be a priority right now. But again, this is a, a spot where you can be hit with a huge expense that can change your life. This topic seems to make people squirm the most in their in their chair when I meet with them. It's it's amazing to watch them just get uncomfortable. Uh, and most of the time, the people who are not uncomfortable are the ones who have had a firsthand experience with it. Most of the time, like their parents or a loved one, where they had to help share in the cost or actually do some of the caretaking. I mean, it's it's troublesome. And, and my, I'll use my dad as an example. You know, he had to much of his um, life, he had to take care of my mom. 
uh, when she was sick and to, to be a provider for your family and a dad and a husband and a caretaker, that will age you and drive you nuts. I mean, I saw it firsthand and for him to, to do as much as he did is, is admirable. He eventually had to hire someone to, to take care of her uh, before she passed away. So we've taken care of that with him uh, for obvious reasons. He's like, I don't want that to, for you and your sister to have to do what I had to do. So again, it's, it's either one or the other. It's very polarizing. If you never had a firsthand experience, sure, you hear stories about it all the time. But if you didn't have a firsthand experience, a lot of people would get uncomfortable with the conversation. And just because you talk about long-term care does not mean I'm trying to sell people a long-term care policy uh, because it may not be the right thing. It may not be the right fit. It, it may cost too much. Uh, you may have already had conditions that would prevent you from getting a long-term care policy because they're so strict in underwriting. When I first got in the business, it was a two-page application, front, back, sign it, boom, you got issued. Now, extenuating circumstances would get you declined, but now it is harder than life insurance to, to get a policy, not even close. So you have to go through all the medical underwriting. So again, it doesn't necessarily mean a long-term care policy, but how are we going to potentially pay for this? Because there's a very good chance that if it's a married household, one of them is going to have to use it, a very good chance. So it needs to be addressed. It needs to be talked about. And there needs to be some sort of a plan. Now it's a little bit of a moving target because what if we don't need it? Uh, what if we don't use it? What if we just die healthy in our sleep and that's it? Um, that could happen. It, it, it has happened before, but then there's some people that are in a nursing home for 10 years because of mental health. They're Physically, they're fine, but their mental health has, has taken them down where they need um, 100, you know, 24-hour care. So it needs to be talked about. It is uncomfortable sometimes, but it needs to be addressed. Like, how are we going to potentially pay for this this cost that could take, you know, upwards of two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars to take care of you one day? Well, let's close it out with uh, investing and where you could get in trouble here. And I'm curious your thoughts. I the classic sixty forty portfolio. Uh, this is an approach that's recommended quite a bit for retirees. I guess first explain the the classic sixty forty portfolio, and then why this could be uh, such a problem potentially. Yeah, 60-40 has always been kind of used as a stereotypical retirement portfolio, just just like the 4% withdrawal rate, and I'll, I'll get into both. But a 60-40 split is 60% market-based investments, and 40% is in some type of fixed income bond portfolio, whether it's a bond ladder, whatever it may be. Well, that can be because the interest rate environment is so different. I mean, when, we, when they first came up with the 60-40 split, you know, bond prices and bond yields were upwards of five to 10%. Well, if your quote unquote safe money is yielding you five to 10%, well, yeah, why would you not do that? You're taking risk out and you're getting, depending on what type of bond you're invested in, if it's more, if it's a government issue, then it's guaranteed. Um, that yield is, is guaranteed by the, by the issuer, which is the federal government. Well, I don't know if you've seen 10-year treasury yield lately. Uh, they're not great. They've increased. Um, but as the recording of this, they're around 1.6 or so, but they change daily. But that's for a 10-year note, if you will. And, and you're lending the government you know, your money for 10 years to get a 1.6% yield and then your money back after that. So it's just very different approach. So when you had 40% of your portfolio giving you a good rate of return, if you will, even CDs, you know, as, as early as 20, 25 years ago, were, were yielding five and 6%. So that's a 
it's pretty easy to manage that. Well, now that's a little bit different. Uh, you have people maybe taking on more risk than what they're comfortable with to try to squeeze out a rate of return to to keep their standard of living going as they as they want to. And there, there needs to be bigger adjustments that need to be made uh, for individuals when it comes to income. So, you know, I, I kind of use Generation X. That's what I'm in. The, there, there could potentially be a retirement problem uh, because people aren't saving enough because they're going to need to be able to save more uh, and expect these yields from bonds to not be great. Now, will they stay this low forever? No. But to get kind of nerdy on you, bond prices and interest rates have an inverse relationship. Well, interest rates for decades have been doing what? They've been going down. So bond prices continue to, they continue to tick up. Well, we've kind of flattened out, if you will. And I don't have a crystal ball, but they got to go up eventually. I don't know when, but they have to go up. And as they tick up, those bond prices start ticking down. So it's a seesaw. So where, where does that leave that 40% of your portfolio? So it's, it's tough to do. And that's where some people start talking about annuities and mixing in that kind of safe bucket, if you will, um, potentially with, with annuities. But you know, you got to know the ramifications of those as well. So it's, it's definitely tougher to navigate, but the decumulation of assets is harder than it's ever been for individuals. And that sounds very biased on what I just said, but I think navigating that is, is more what an advisor does. If you want to not use an advisor during the accumulation phase, okay, I get the argument. Um, but definitely when you decumulate it, it's, it's just a, a different method to the madness when you get to that point. So these are five different areas where you could be flirting with disaster. And I guess it's, I can say that it's important to have this comprehensive plan, I think, because you know, a lot of these areas are just areas that people trying to you know, plan for retirement on their own just aren't going to think about or aren't going to be consistent with in terms of evaluating and assessing. So this is really where a solid plan uh, will pay huge dividends. Yeah. I mean, the, the days of just being a advisor and, and managing people's money and that's it. Um, those, those guys are going away. Guys and girls are going away. That You, you have to provide more. Uh, and, and a comprehensive advisor is going to be able to, to do that for you where you take all these different things into consideration and not just, you know, hey, buy mutual funds for me because my mutual funds are better than yours. That's the, those days are over. Got a couple of quotes I want to throw your way before we uh, get out of here. Maybe provide a little little uh, food for thought for people listening before our next episode. Uh, they're both kind of similar, so I figured we could go ahead and throw them out both at the same time. First one from Zig Ziglar, rich people have small TVs and big libraries, and poor people have small libraries and big TVs. Well, I kind of took that, took offense to that, Ryan, I've been, as, I've, <laughs> as I've got like the masters up in the corner over here. <laughs> I know. I, I'm. I, you know. I think this day and age, we're all a little bit <laughs> guilty of that because yeah. huge TVs are so stinking cheap now. Um, I think when Zig probably said that, it was a little bit, a little bit different uh, time when with technology. I still remember seeing the first plasma TV at Best Buy. Oh, it was yeah. twenty two thousand dollars. I mean, <laughs> twenty two grand. That's unbelievable. That. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. It just shows that not always, but usually people that uh, create more wealth are the ones that are constant learners. Uh, mm -hmm. They're constantly diving into other people's heads, if you will, and, and reading as much as you can. Yes, I, I was. I'm, I'm a big reader. I, I kind of push pause on that because I'm studying for my CFP, so my reading is all workbooks and, and things of that nature. <laughs> but I continue to order books. They're stacking up on me, uh, so I'll definitely have to to hit the books hard uh, once I'm done with the CFP course. But 
Zig Ziglar's uh, he's he was one of the best, and so that quote just resonates with me. And and what can I be doing? Um, and, and what can I be learning instead of watching uh, terrible TV that's on right now? <laughs> well, you, you mentioned like you know spending your time efficiently and effectively, right? Well, this, that's the other quote we have here. The only difference between a rich person and a poor person is how they spend their time. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki said that. I mean, it's so true. It's it's you look at what. Um, generally wealthy people are doing versus people who are not. And on their free time, there's there's a big difference uh, between the two. And a lot of it's a mindset, but what they do with their time uh, speaks volumes on what they're, what they're trying to do, whether it's improve themselves, improve the people around them, their families, their communities. Uh, there's always something. And, and that's not stereotyping people who with less money don't do those things. But you start to see consistencies uh, of behaviors of, of people who make a, a huge impact from a from a wealth standpoint versus those who don't. Well, just some things to think about as we close out the show. Again, you can find everything online, blackoakam.com. You can schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session there as well if you want to sit down and talk with Ryan. Go through some of these items today that could be flirting with disaster in your portfolio if you don't take care of them. It will be important. Ryan, thanks for the time today. I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, enjoyed it. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.